Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association. I'm Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. If you have a project or publication that you would like to discuss on the podcast, I will be delighted to hear from you. You can email me on press at westernfrontassociation.com. Today is the 10th of July 2017. In today's episode, we're going to visit a community-based initiative, the Donegal Past Heroes of the Great War. This Belfast-based project has traced the lives and military service of local men in the Great War. Ron McMurray has worked on the venture and told me about what they had found. I started our conversation by asking Ron about the origins of the undertaking. This project was started in 2016 in terms of preparing for the 100th anniversary of the Battle of the Somme. Uh, Funding was gained through urban villages with the idea that we would form a database of all the men who enlisted and went off to the Great War. And we also then wanted to produce a more lasting tribute in terms of a model of the Donegal Pass in 1914 when the men left and also a record of the men who actually died at that time. Ron, for our non-Northern Ireland audience, where exactly is Donegal Pass in Belfast? The Donegal Pass is an area between Shaftesbury Square and the bottom of the Omer Road and you could say it would be south of the city centre, actually on the edge of the city centre. Ron, tell me about the model that you, you made um, of Donegal Pass. The idea of the model arose from uh, the fact that during the late 70s and early days, the Donegal Pass underwent a huge redevelopment. So the population dropped from 5,000 to about 1,100. So what we wanted to do was to remind people of the way the pass used to be. So the idea of a very simple balsa wood model came up and what we decided to do was get them up from 1914 and using people's own personal recollections, I was born there in the 50s, is that we then recreated a simple model of all the streets and all the major buildings in the Donegal Pass. Then an idea was put to commemorate every soldier who had died, every house that had lost someone, one house lost two brothers, and we then started slowly creating a small-scale model. Uh, it is not uh, <laughs> it's not the most professional model in the world, but it was people who were given up one night a week to go down, and there was painting, cutting, pasting, and uh, I think it is a, a really nice model. And on this model, you've placed small soldiers to represent where casualties or deaths were registered um, with families in that street. One thing that the model really has thrown up is about the huge impact that that war had on any one street. There's one street, and I can see eight fatalities in a short row of houses. These people would have all known each other. The families would have been interlinked, and there would have been wider contacts in terms of many of the families had come in from the countryside looking for work it would have been devastating there is hardly a street in the Donegal Pass that did not lose someone and uh, sadly the model does not show the extent and nature of the wounds 
and there was horrendous wounds in the war. So that doesn't even start to explain that story about when the men finally did get home. And what was this community like in 1914? In 1914, the Donegal Pass was a tight-knitted area of two up, two down terrace streets. The majority of these were built in the 1880s. They were built to furnish uh, a mass of workers for the industrial businesses that had already built up in Belfast. It uh, was one of the poorer districts. It had outdoor toilets. There was no bathrooms. And um, very typical of the slated roofs that you see in many of those areas, typical of that time, and coal fires. Uh, So when the war came, you tracked that there were a large number of men who joined up. How many did join up and what units did they um, actually enlist in? One of the ideas behind this project was in terms of the 36th Ulster Division were huge numbers of men from mostly the Pras and working class districts of Belfast and outside joined up to go and fight. However, one of the surprising things that came out of the research was that not only did men join up on the 10th Battalion of the Royal Irish Rifles, which would have been the local uh, battalion for the Ulster Division, that we found that there was 37 regiments that the various men joined. And not only was there fighting soldiers, but there was Navy. We found uh, there certainly was fatalities in the Royal Navy during the war. So how many men did you uh, actually discover joined um, Her Majesty's forces in the early part of the war? In terms of the Donegal Pass, we found over 243. However, the more research we done, the more we discovered that there was other men. And we had access to the Commonwealth War Graves Commission records. We used the Lynn Hall Library, the public records. We also used local church records. Actually, we do think there is far more men that we haven't found out yet. This is not exhaustive, and that research would be ongoing. And how many of those men were killed in action or died from their wounds at the front? We'd say roughly half of the men who left the Donegal Pass. So at the minute, it's about 114, and uh, they came from every street in the Donegal Pass. And again, records uh, are not so clear on the wounded but there was significant uh, injuries to the number of the men especially on the 1st of July and uh, the most sort of famous casualty I suppose was the man the man in charge of the 10th rifles was Colonel Bernard and as soon as the men got up to advance he was killed by a German shell immediately. And what stories did you discover from your research on the men? One of the Interesting stories that we found as we were researching was that there a family currently resident in the Donegal Pass knew very little about their grandfather who fought and died over there. Uh, and without telling the family, we researched this in detail. And after a trip by the group to the son, we brought back various items. And on the night of the launch of the model of the Donegal Pass, we got the family down and the say went to school with one of the brothers and for the first time they were able to see a photograph of their grandfather 
they knew very little about the history and we were able to then tell them what we had actually found but they were presented with a framed photograph of their grandfather and his battalion. And did you find out how men coped with the trenches? Did you, for instance, discover batches of letters or other memorabilia from, from various people? It was a bit harder to find out what the, uh, the guys actually made of this. There wasn't too much letters sent home, and say we're still researching into that. However, I, I was given an insight by myself in terms of my own research from a man called Mr William Allen, who survived well into his 90s and who I spoke to. But while he was from East Belfast, he fondly remembered the Donegal Pass and used to tell me about the days, actually prior to the war and during the war. He went and fought on the Somme, but was lucky enough to get back uh, relative, relatively unharmed. But he told me about how the streets would be paved with cobblestones and he'd be riding the bike. And he said it was quite difficult to navigate both the cobblestones and the tram tracks. In those days, Belfast had extensive tram tracks. And he said many a bicycle wheel went into the tram tracks and he would come off. But in those days, he would have a basket in front of his bicycle. And as a message boy, he would be told maybe by a butcher to go to a certain address and leave in the parcel. And that's what he'd be doing. So he was explaining to me about how the times were tough and uh, people were living day to day. But that uh, he certainly had fond memories of that. But part of the rationale of a lot of the younger men was to get away from this drudgery. I suppose there was a glamour element to it as well as doing it for king and country and to earn a bit of money also. And how's the project been received by the local community? The project has been well received. There's a lot of people who still have distant relatives who fought and died in that war and we put it on social media. We had a, a very good launch night and various politicians and ministers came down. So people know about it and in today's world quite often things are done through the internet. So it has reached a wide audience. People know about the model and we would be hoping to take up people's offers in terms of this would leave the Donegal Pass and go out in order to tell the story of these men, which we recognise is one of the many stories of Belfast and the many districts. Ron, thank you very much for your time. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.